0: You're listening to the Gov Future podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we speak with Scott Simpson, who is Digital Transformation Lead, Procurement Innovation Lab at Department of Homeland Security. We discuss a unique approach to AI for acquisition at DHS Procurement Innovation Lab and the problems they're looking to solve with AI. Scott shares the roles that AI and automation play in facilitating digital transformation at DHS and what the Procurement Innovation Lab looks for when adopting and integrating emerging technologies. Stay tuned.
1: Hello and welcome to the Gov Future Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And if you are listening to the Gov Future Podcast for the first time, this podcast is the place to go to hear interviews with public sector thought leaders, insights into how the government and different agencies at all different levels are adopting transformative technologies, and we also have conversations on key topics. We really try and bring in the entire government ecosystem, so from state and local to federal, some international as well, because that's what GovFuture is about. And if you're not familiar with our GovFuture community, GovFuture is the fastest growing community of government innovators. You can learn more at GovFuture.com, and I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. But we really do try and bring together that entire ecosystem, have these conversations. That's why it's wonderful to have different interviews, and perspectives on our podcast. So for today's podcast, we're so excited to have with us Scott Simpson, who is Digital Transformation Lead in the Procurement Innovation Lab at Department of Homeland Security. Welcome, Scott, and thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me, Kathleen. Glad to be here.
1: We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and what you do now at DHS. Sure.
2: My name is uh, Scott Simpson. I'm the Digital Transformation Lead with Lab. Um, I had over 10 years' experience as an operational contracting officer within various components of DHS, including uh, a SISTA, Coast Guard, and a headquarters OCIO. I'm a 2020 Digital IT Acquisition Professional Program Graduate, the the DITAP program. And I hold a FACC in digital services as well as contracting, uh, as well as Core, as well as P list goes on for there. Uh, I'm a certified Scrum Master, and just like an all-around uh, agile enthusiast, uh, graduate of American University School of International Service and Washington College of Law. Um, and as a kind of my day to day job is as an innovation coach. And so with the Procurement Innovation Lab, we coach teams in how to use uh, procurement innovations uh, to streamline their procurements. I always say yeah, better, faster, smarter. Uh, we fully empower those teams. And so we are sharing our lessons learned as coaches. Not as a tiger team, so that they can uh, do things like reduce entry barriers and have more businesses compete. They can do things like uh, increase their time to award, so that or shorten their time to award uh, between when the solicitation was awarded and uh, and release and the time that it's awarded. They can do things like uh, increase competition and um, and just overall get a better uh, mission outcome for the program. Uh, That's my day to day. And uh, I love it. I've been doing it for uh, almost five years now. Amazingly.
1: Yeah, that is amazingly. And we had the opportunity to have Scott join us at our GovFuture Forum DC event. So for our listeners, if you're in the DC area, I encourage you to check that out. And we'll also um, link to that in the show notes as well, where Scott was able to join us. And uh, it's always nice, you know, to to really kind of see what other agencies are doing, have that nice collaborative space to share. So we talk a lot about technology in general and how it's, you know, it, it's used to help edu- or transform what we're doing. And when it comes to acquisition, I think that, you know, acquisition is no stranger to that. So can you tell us your unique approach to emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence for acquisition at DHS Procurement Innovation Lab and the problems that you're looking to solve with these emerging technologies?
2: Uh, yeah, the, I mean, there's just so many things, right? Um, so I guess the first thing is, you know, at the DHS Procurement Innovation Lab, we're we're big advocates of finding the the right technology to fit the right challenge, um, because everyone every challenge is a little different, and so there's no sense no sense spending loads of time and money to address something that is either the wrong challenge or um, it, you know it's not the right challenge for that team. And the only way you can really determine that is by working with the end users and working with the customers to find out what are the challenges that they are experiencing. And so, um, we've started to do that with the, um, at the procurement innovation lab, both with the acquisition community, um, and with the program office and both look a little bit different. But with the acquisition community, we have something called the pill idea competition and the pill idea competition is a grassroots kind of effort where someone Uh, says, uh, hey, we're having this challenge. It's taking me too long to get my acquisition plan approved. And then acquisition workforce members across DHS iterate on what we could do as an organization to speed up that uh, process, Um, whether it's the use of a technology, whether it's revamping um, how and who reviews that, whatever that is, everyone uh, submits their ideas and it's upvoted And then the winning, um, you know, the the five that are, you know, the best or so uh, get tested. And so we test then across those, the enterprise. And um, it's not like just one of them is going to win. If there's one that's great and another that's great and another that's great, they might be coming at it from different aspects. One might be a technology, one might be a paper, one might be a review process or a policy thing. And we can implement all of those to really streamline it for our acquisition workforce. Actually, in emerging technology. The other way that we're doing it is with um, our procurement, our pill acquisition workshops. And those are helping to facilitate the discovery process at the program office. So, you know, by designation, we're not a trade shop. We fall under the chief procurement officer. Um, We know that procurement is just one big part of that long acquisition process. So we work with our customers, with our program offices to help them really do a deep dive into. What are their goals for the program that they're developing? What are the challenges that they're experiencing? What are their hopes and fears that they really want to bring out? Um, Sometimes it's not even just helping um, with the program or the the requirements. Sometimes it's just helping them to facilitate, hey, who are your end users? Who are your customers? And again, it's not information that I have. I don't know who their customers are. We're facilitating this. I I like to say that we're shining the flashlight into all the corners with them so that they can help map out their path forward because they are the stakeholder, right? We are trying to empower them. Um, and so when you traditionally think of agile and discovery, um, a lot of people just think of that in the realm of like IT or, um, well, cyber, I guess is the other big one. But what we've found with the pill is that the pill acquisition work- workshops, as well as the agile process, can really be a applied and helpful to any traditional program and project, whether that's services, whether it's um, a consumer-based, whatever that is, has the same concepts and is really impactful.
1: Yeah, it's great to hear that. You know, and I like how you said you need to talk to the end users, talk to the stakeholders that are involved. Sometimes people get so excited, they want to move forward with adopting a new technology or a new process, and they forget to ask you know, the people that it's going to impact the most and say, they've
2: got this great idea. Hey, I've got this awesome idea. It's going to change the world. And then come to find out, no, you're the only one who's experiencing that problem. It's going to change your world, but everyone else has solved that. They used a paperclip, you know?
1: Exactly. Or sometimes you will, you know, look to improve processes or workflows or, and then you take away the tasks that people really enjoyed and leave them with all the tasks that they hate. And you're like, you've just created a very disgruntled workforce. (laughs) So it's great that you talk about that. I think that, you know, this idea too, of digital transformation, improving processes, it's been around for a number of years and we're still on that journey, but it's great to have these collaborative discussions and be able to talk about that and really kind of move forward. So how do you see You know technologies such as, and these emerging technologies specifically, such as AI and advanced analytics, automation, what role do they play in facilitating digital transformation at DHS?
2: So I think it's definitely um, a really great question and and they can facilitate it in so many different ways. Um, The big way that we're looking at it is, um, and I won't speak for the whole agency, right? Because I'm not in that role. I'm saying we, the pill look at it is um, how can we facilitate or better facilitate like the um, the acquisition workforce and the procurement workforce and those kind of areas um, and it's a really exciting time to be both working in government and procurement because we are on that edge of emerging technology and that edge keeps moving with us with the you know iterative AI and generative AI and everything else and it's just going to continue to grow um, and so what I'm like really excited to see, is how these technologies are going to help us to make the processes more seamless for all of the stakeholders. And what I mean by that is similar to how forms have evolved through the last 20 or 30 years. When people first started to digitize forms, right? They literally took the form and they turned it into a PDF and they called it a success, right? But now we, we know that's not success and everyone's starting to go back and say, yeah, that's really clunky and hard to fill out, right? How can we make it so that the end user can complete the form in a much more intuitive way? And I think that the procurement process and the, the big A acquisition process is no exception um, because procurement is just one, one of those bigger, one piece of the bigger acquisition project to move a program from the, the idea phase through everything they go through into deployment to help meet the mission. Um, and procurement is one of the, the easiest ways to streamline everything going on. Um, But think about how many times during that process do we um, retype the same thing, right? It starts with a memo to whomever about this is my idea. It carries forward into the acquisition planning phase. It goes into the market research. It goes into the solicitation. It's carried forward into a bunch of different determinations and memos to the file and everything else. And someone is either copy and pasting that or retyping it for every time. And that is just not useful. And so I'm really looking forward to the time when emerging technology can bring all these different pieces together so that we have one kind of seamless approach um, for, hey, I'm going to put it into this system and the next system is going to take that with it and carry it forward. And it's going to be the same thing because I think when we see that, it's going to make life easier for the customers um, and the program offices and the end user and that is going to allow them to develop and deploy programs to better meet the mission. And they're already developing so many great um, programs out there. And I think emerging technology is going to help us make that process even better, which is going to be even like better for our citizens because that's who we're here to serve and to protect.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that as you... Continue, uh, you know, you need whenever you have a process, right? You always should be reevaluating this and saying, How can I improve mm-hmm. it? How can I make it better? Do I still need this process? I think a lot uh, of times, right? Sometimes people you have a process and then you just maybe automate the process, but it's a bad process and you shouldn't do right. it anymore. Yep. So, yep. so that's what this can allow as well, right? For you to constantly be reevaluating things. And you're right, technology has a it's a tool and it has a critical role that it can play where no longer do humans need to be copy and pasting things. We're error prone. We get tired. Right. And Mm -hmm. maybe we can use this to help say what's going on in other areas of the government, maybe within my own agency or my department. And how can I leverage that so that we aren't doing the same thing in different groups. And we really are able to leverage that. So that's, that's some exciting things that can happen.
0: Yeah
2: and i think too you know you mentioned having that conversation about why are we doing this and that the at the current innovation lab that is one of our questions about why um we we aren't trying to facilitate just emerging technology we're trying to change culture um the the culture of risk aversion uh the culture of asking for answers within the far um the culture of um process over mission you know we're trying to change all those cultures and so When you're looking at these, the questions of automation and emerging technology, um, it really does start with that question about why are we doing this? Um, and I heard a story about one time about they were looking to automate something and they tracked it through all these different processes. And at the end of the process, it was put into a file somewhere. No one actually read any, read it or did any action on that item. And that's something we, we are trying to talk about is, you know, start with the why. Why, why do you need this? Is there another way that we can do this? Um, Can we streamline the process? Can we take this from a standalone thing that needs to be routed and go all the way up to whomever for review and incorporate it into part of this over here so that it's done once and done it a little more streamlined?
1: Yeah, that's great to hear. I know that at one of our GovFuture forum events, we had Karen Howard from IRS, and she said, You know, she talks about um, her processes, too. And she goes, if you're not reevaluating these every two to three years at the most, then you're doing something wrong. You really should continually be evaluating your processes and then approving, eliminating whatever you need Mm -hmm. uh, to to really be efficient. Mm -hmm. So great to hear.
2: We we just found out that there's a policy on on the books that requires a a certain review threshold for things over five hundred thousand dollars. That policy was written back in 2009. So what, 14, 15 years ago? How much has money changed in 2009 since then? I know the value of my just my house has increased exponentially. Um, and if you look at 500000 in 2009 and $5,000 today, you're not talking the same thing. So we're looking at, hey, that's a policy that one of our users brought up to us because we asked, wait, why are you doing that review? It seems like you don't need to do that. And they said, well, there's a policy. We said, really? Well, let's go back and look at that. Is that right threshold?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's great to see that people are, you know, really looking at this, taking it seriously, moving forward, because at the end of the day, you're right. It is, uh, you know, citizens that you're serving and you want to make yeah. sure that you're doing the best you can. So when it comes to the Procurement Innovation Lab, what do you look for when you are uh, looking to adopt and integrate these emerging technologies?
2: a lot of different things we look for. Um, a lot of them are, are ones that we've talked about already um, is you know making sure that it's meeting a challenge. We, we don't want to use emerging technology, whether it's a, a de-obligation bot, whether it's a responsibility bot. We don't want to do it if it's not meeting a challenge. And so it starts with, You know, we don't want to take the joy away from life. So we've started with de-obligations and closeouts and responsibility determinations because no one has joy in those. I mean, maybe there's somebody out there that does. Uh, I'm out here, I'm a contract nerd. So there's, I'm sure there's somebody out there for everybody, but uh, most of the workforce does not enjoy doing closeouts and de-obligations and responsibility determinations. And so we've started looking at that. What do the users want? What do our acquisition workforce members what are they struggling with? What can we help them along with? And again, whether it's emerging technology, whether it's a process, whatever that right thing is, we're not looking at solutioning it yet. We're looking at what are the the struggles that they're having. From that, we're moving into um, you know what is the right solution, and not just kicking the end user out of the conversation end, but making sure that the end user is part of that solutioning. So when we talk about like the pill idea competition. It's the end user, the acquisition workforce member that is ideating on that, giving potential solutions. It is the end user in that process, uh, and the stakeholder, and the customer, and everyone else who's um, piloting those solutions to find out do they work. Um, so we're we're keeping them all in the loop for that, and I think that's really important because you can't just take um, the struggle that they're having and say, okay, this is the right way to meet that salute, you know—meet that problem. This is what we're going to do for you. That that's not what I wanted. You know, like if I brought my car into the shop and I said, hey, it's making this clunky noise and they said, no problem. And I came back and it was fixed, but they replaced the whole engine. Like, I would not be happy with that. Um, I would be very upset that they spent so much time and money to do something like that when it could have been a simple fix, you know, like it needed to be rebalanced, whatever else. Um So we keep the end user in mind. And then finally, when whatever we're looking at with the um, the emerging technology one of the biggest things is it's got to be explainable. Um, and that's really important, especially for our users, but also for our citizens. I don't want emerging technology out there making decisions for the workforce. That's, that's not the kind of emerging technology that we're looking for. That's what leads to Skynet. Uh, we, don't, we don't want that, right? We want something that's helpful and that I can understand how it got to the solution that it did. Um, and so when we're looking at these kind of things, I want the end user to be able to go in. I want them to be able to engage with whatever the tool is, and I want them to know how the tool got to its recommendation, and whether that's with a pop-up, whether it's with a, a hover where they can get more information, whether it's um, having the the information available as a like a hidden, you know, so I can click and I can see here's all the information. Um, whether it's training, whether it's whatever else, I want that information to be there so that these tools are fully explainable to the end user. Because at the end of the day. If the tools are not explainable to the end user, they did we didn't do a good job developing them um, because that didn't meet the right the right thing. And I, I want the end users to trust using them. I want them to know that hey, I'm not getting get written up for this because I can't justify why it came up with this answer. Um, for instance, um, there's a market research tool out there that we've deployed, and um, it's to help the, the users start their market research process. When they go in to defend that process in whatever uh, murder board they have, um, they're, they're not going to have the tool with them. They need to have the face-to-face conversation like you and I are having now, um, or maybe the radio conversation that I'm having with all the listeners. Um, but they need to have that, and they need to be able to say, this is how I got to my recommendation for it. Not, oh, the tool told me this. That's not what we want. Needs to be fully explainable. That is the number one thing that I'm looking for in a tool. Besides, does it actually meet something, like overcome a challenge that the workforce is is experiencing?
1: Yeah. As you were talking about this, I was like, you're talking about trust, right? You want the user to feel comfortable and trust. To use that technology because if you lose trust then they're not going to use the technology and you might as well not have even deployed it to begin with and exactly we
2: spent all that money for nothing
1: that's what i say right all this time money resources just to build something that nobody wants to use and nobody wants that right because again as we talk about technology it's supposed to be a tool help them Mm -hmm. do their jobs better maybe faster, more efficient. Yep. And so you want them to be able to trust it. We talk about that a lot. And so how do you build that? How do you build systems with trust in mind? And you talked a lot we about- We do it
2: by keeping the end user involved. Uh, yeah. We we make sure that the end user is involved through the whole thing. So that as they're iterating, as they they bring in these different prototypes to us, they can say, hey, where are you getting this answer from? And that way, oh, all right, I need to put a hover there, right? They're They're through the testing process. They're through the whole process. That's how we do
1: it. That's great. You also talked about, you know, you're trying to change culture, which is major, especially for government agencies. What we've found is when people have a top-down approach, right, and it's management, senior management and leadership talking about these technologies, really embracing them, it really does trickle down. And then uh, the end user feels more comfortable using it because they feel less threatened, right? It's all about yeah. trust. So they say, okay, this is just going to help me do my job better. This is a tool. They're not looking to replace me. They're not looking to take away the work that I enjoy. They're just trying to help me do my job better, more efficiently. We talk a lot about uh, you know, the workforce as well and how we don't have enough people to fill the roles that we need. So yeah. you have to look at technology. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to get that done.
2: One of the biggest ways that we've found to change culture is by empowering um, the contracting officer and the program manager at the bottom. And uh, There's a, a section of the FAR that's normally unread. It's uh, FAR 1.102, and it talks about how the CEO, when the FAR is silent, the CEO is empowered to innovate. It's right there in the FAR. The CEO is empowered. We are trying to take that language off the page and put it into practice by saying, hey, CEO. You should go out there and innovate. You should do what you think is best to meet the mission, uh, to, to help your customer meet the mission and everything else. So that's where we're starting. Um, and we're hoping that everyone else catches up to that and and does the same thing and supports that CEO, that program manager, that core, uh, so that they can do the right thing to meet the mission.
1: Well, that is great to hear. I know that when it comes to government, that you have some unique challenges that maybe you know private companies don't necessarily have. So what challenges or considerations do you need to consider when you are looking to adopt and integrate these emerging technologies in procurement processes?
0: Yeah.
2: And I think at the end of the day, that goes back to um, why we're in government to begin with. Um, Like, I I consider myself a civil servant. And the servant is a big part of that. I'm here to serve the citizen. And, And like we all are when we're in government. And the best way that I can, so when I, as a citizen servant, um, I need to be making decisions that are right for them. And so when I'm looking at emerging technology, um, I'm, I'm looking at that. Is this going to help me make the right decision for the citizen? And, um, am I going to be able to explain that to a citizen if they ask? Whether it's Congress that comes down and asks for a report or whether it's my neighbor who asks, hey, why did, why did you all procure it that way? Um, I need to be able to at, like answer that citizen's question about that. Um, and I, I can't just say, well, the tool told me to. That's like saying, well, the process told me to. Um, neither one of those is a good answer. Uh, we need to be able to justify that for the citizen. Some of the processes are in place to protect them, right? We don't want someone out there spending millions of dollars um, unfettered Uh, Not for a good reason, right? So there are some checks that need to be in place, uh, but we need to have the right checks and we need to be able to say, this is why this check is in place. This is how I'm using this process. This is how I'm using this tool to better the citizen uh, and to meet our mission, which is helping to protect the citizen and our homeland.
1: Well, that is great to hear. I know at a lot of our GovFuture Forum DC events, too, we talk about this on panels. And sometimes people, you know, a lot of people like to make fun of the government, say that they're so slow, they're slow to adopt with technology and with innovation. But as we continue to have demos and presentations and panel discussions, we find that is not the case and that the government really is innovative. Um but that we, you know, just need to um, the government has unique challenges, right? You need to serve mm-hmm. all citizens and you need to be able to serve uh, different technology uh, education levels where some people, you know, they talk about how they still fact machines and a lot uh, of uh, right uh, private organizations do not. But heck, I heard about someone from, like,
2: who still had a wired desk phone. <laughs>
1: Is that really uncommon in the government? I don't know. It used to be. I know. But, you know, and then some, I laugh too, because I have little kids and I'm like, they don't know some of these technologies that I work no. with. <laughs> so, Scott. Yes. Look-
2: the government definitely has unique challenges. Um, and uh, and we we are slow to adopt. But I think that uh, some of the cultural changes that we're talking about here, if we can get them rolling, will um go from procurement to finance to human resources to just have a trickle down effect um and, and a chain reaction to change culture across the board where we can move faster as a government because i, I know that it's starting there's there are great people out there who are starting to move fast uh, and that's great we need to get other people to start moving along fast too uh, so that we can we can jump onto these emerging technologies where it's appropriate um, and take advantage of them before the next new innovation technology comes along And I'm saying, I know someone who's still using email when I'm on this show next.
1: All righty. Well, this has been such a wonderful discussion. I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your insights with our audience.
2: Thanks very much for having me, Kathleen. Look forward to talking to you all again.
1: Yes, we do, too. And we'll definitely keep the conversation going. And listeners, if you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you get notified of all of our upcoming episodes. Also, make sure to rate us or reach out if you have any guests in mind that you'd like us to interview.
0: To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest-growing community of government innovators, go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin MacLeod. Thanks for listening to the GovFuture podcast and catch you at the next episode.